Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the son's stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are estranged from me through their idols. Genesis 31, 19, we're going to look at the life of Rachel uh, this morning. Um, it, it says this in Genesis 31, 19. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. Let's talk about Ezekiel for a moment. These elders had come to Ezekiel, wanted to give advice to him and, and to God. And, and God saw something in these men that maybe Ezekiel couldn't see. And so he just kind of goes and speaks to Ezekiel and says, Listen, these men have a problem. These elders that are supposed to be the leader of Israel, they have a problem. Their problem is, is that they have taken their idols into their hearts. They have a deep-seated issue. It's not bad enough that they have idols in their homes. And, and, and all these things that are encouraging my people to worship idols, their idols are deep within their hearts. And so, paraphrasing, uh, God says, we, we're not listening to them. Why would I listen to someone who has taken an idol into his heart? He says here that, that, that what he wants to do, what God wants to do is to lay Hold in verse 5 to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are all estranged from me through their idols. Israel had an idol problem being led by elders with idols in their hearts. It says that God's people were estranged from him because of their idols, and that God was seeking to lay back hold of their hearts. So this is both discouraging and encouraging, right? Because they have a problem that I believe we all have. I believe that in some form or another, right now, currently, every one of us has an idol that's battling for our heart. And that idol is causing us, in some degree or another, to be estranged from God and not to be as close as we should be to our God. Because the idol is there. The idol is taking up the place where God belongs. So that's discouraging. That's our problem. But what I love about this verse is what God is seeking to do is to lay hold of their hearts once again. To grab hold of their hearts. To, to kick the idols out of their hearts and to lay hold of their hearts and to, to fully be in the place where he should be in the heart of his people. And that's my prayer this morning as we look at idols in the heart. Our prayers that we would be a people would take this seriously, that would examine the idols that exist in our hearts and begin to kick them out of our hearts and make sure that our hearts are laid hold of by God. Now I want to look at Rachel's 
idolatry. Uh, and, and so we're going to be using righteous kind of case study uh, from the Bible as to what can happen when idols come into the heart. It says in Genesis 31, 19, Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her idol, her father's household idols. And, and this is the first mention of idols in Scripture. This story right here is these household gods uh, that Laban had. And we know that Jacob, the trickster, had, had kind of kept being tricked by his father-in-law, right? He, he was tricked into working 14 years uh, for, uh, for Laban's daughters to, to be able to marry him. And, uh, and they were kind of tricking each other on the herds. And, and the, the relationship had just gotten very, very sour to the point where Jacob said, we have to go. We have to go. This is a bad situation. Let's get out of here. And so it says that Rachel, before they left, stole her father's household gods. She took them, and she, we'll find out later, uh, that she put them in her saddle. And they took off. She took off with them. They took off with uh, Jacob's herds, and she had stolen the idols and placed them in her saddle. There's speculation. We don't see what was in her heart. What what made her desire these household idols? Some people say she was wanting to rescue uh, her father from idolatry, so she was getting the idols out of his house. I think that's maybe uh, maybe putting too much good in Rachel's heart. I don't think that that's what was happening here. Some say that, that Rachel stole them because she wanted a piece of home. That maybe she was having to rush out and leave her family, leave everything she had ever known. And it was like maybe what we would take a family picture of their family items. And still others say that Rachel believed that, that there were power in these items. She wanted that power, and so she took that so she would have that power. But before there were ever idols in Rachel's saddle, she had already taken taking idols into her heart. Her biggest problem is not what was in her saddle, it was in what was her heart. And that was the issue of she had not yet bore a child for her husband. And we're going to see that that had become an idol in her heart. And so let's begin to see what happens with idols, how idols come into the heart. How, that's what we want to get first, is how idols are taken into the heart. First thing I want to, we need to notice is that the world is full of potential idols. We must stop thinking about idols as gold figurines in the Old Testament. We need to stop thinking about them as, as a gold figure that's at the local Chinese buffet. Okay, the, 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 the subject of idols goes much, much deeper, deeper because an idol is anything. It is anything that we place above God at any given moment. Idol worship is not just about bowing down to something or doing chants at something. Idol worship occurs anytime we make the choice to do something that doesn't please God. Because in that moment, we are choosing an idol. We're choosing something else other than God because we don't care about pleasing God in that moment. 
Idolatry is not only something that directly affects our relationship with God, it is anything that affects the relationship that God has given us. Here's what I mean. Anything that keeps you from being the godly parent that you should be, that's an idol, because that idol is coming and getting in the way of your God-given responsibility to be a godly parent. If there's something that is coming into your life and is keeping you from being the spouse, the godly, uh, God-saturated spouse that you need to be, that thing is an idol because it's getting in the way of you pleasing God in your marriage. It's not even just about our direct relationship with God, it's also about the godly relationship we're supposed to have. In other words, anything that gets in the way of God, our God-giving responsibilities is an idol. And we can make an idol out of anything, anything, sinful things, which we, we have no trouble saying, hey, those are idols. Whether it's pornography or drunkenness or, or stealing or lying, those things, yeah, that's bad. That's sinful. Those, those, those are in your life. Those are idols. But the reality is, is that most often our problem with idolatry is with good things. Is a desire for Rachel, that Rachel has to bear children, is that a bad thing? No. That's a good thing. She's desiring to be blessed with children. And the scriptures say that's a blessing to have children. So she's wanting something that's very good. You know, it's time to yourself. You know, if you have small children, is that restful time by yourself? Is that good? Yeah, it's good. It can also become an idol that makes you behave in certain ways when you don't get it. Is your iPhone? Is it a good thing? Can good things come from your iPhone? Sure. Way to be connected with friends and you can download sermons and all kinds of God-centered uh, apps that, that you can have the Bible with you at all times or listen to the Bible. It's a good thing. Helps you organize your life, but can it become an idol? Sure. We all know that it can. Are your hobbies? They, they're a good thing. It's a good thing to have, to rest in something, or to have something that God's given you that, that you enjoy doing. Golf, or hunting, or, or shopping, or whatever it might be. Are those bad things in and of themselves? No. Can they be idols? Absolutely. Your kids. Who would argue that the kids are bad and they're a good thing? Can they be elevated to be your idol? Sure. Is, is the love of country and to want your country to prosper and have joy and freedom that you enjoy with your country? Is that a good thing? Yeah, that's a good thing. Can it be elevated to an idol? Absolutely. Not only that, but godly things can be elevated to idolatry. It's not God itself. If it's godly ritual that, you know, I just go to church and I don't really have a relationship with God. God's not the center of my life, but I go to church. It's a godly activity, but 
That's all you're counting on for you is a smile, it's an idol. Maybe it's a godly reputation that, and I need people to, 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 to think that I'm godly. And then so, and I can't let them see any, any sin in my life or confessing sin. I just gotta, I've got to make sure that they see me as godly. Is it, it's a, I think it's a good thing to want to be holy and to set a good example, but can that godly thing be an idol? Sure. Can your performance, instead of resting in the gospel, just your performance that, hey, I've got to do this and God will love me and God will uh, appreciate me if I do my quiet time every day, if I, if I don't do these certain activities, my performance? Godly thing to want to live a godly life, but if a sinner isn't the gospel, if you're not resting on what Christ has done, then godly performance is just another item. Folks, we are swimming in a sea of potential idols every day, every hour, every minute that we are drawing breath. They are everything. They are everything. It's not God himself. Potential idols become actual idols, idols when they're taken into the heart. Let's go back to Rachel. Go back to Genesis 30, chapter 1. It says this, When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. He said, am I in the place of God? Who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? You ever say, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? That's what's happening here with Rachel. And Rachel, who do you think about Rachel? She had a lot going for her, right? In Rachel, the Bible describes her as absolutely stunning, beautiful, a knockout. And she was so loved by her husband that he worked seven years for her. And then at the end of the seven years, he said, it felt like a few days because of my love for her. She had a lot going on. Everyone thought she was beautiful. Her husband was absolutely head over heels in love for her. But as her life goes on, she sees Leah over here. And Leah's bearing these children to Jacob. And the one thing that's not going right, she fixates herself on. And it's not that desiring to bear children was, it's not that it was in her heart, it's fine for that to be in her heart, it is that it occupied the center of her heart. And items of the heart are about the center of the affections. Though Rachel had been blessed, she, she took the one thing that had not gone her way and put it at the very center of her heart. When we get fixated on something to the point that we believe we cannot function without it. 
That thing has become an idol in our hearts. Listen to me, very important statement. The problem with our idolatry is, is very often not in what we desire, but in how much we desire. It is perfectly fine for Rachel to bear to want to bear a child. It's perfectly fine for, for Rachel to pour out her heart to God asking, please God, give me that child that I long for. Try to get my husband a son. But it is not okay for her to throw a fit and say, if I don't have this, I'm going to die. It can make everyone miserable. It can bless God. Be angry at everyone around her because she wasn't getting what she wanted. That's not okay. That's idolatry. It's fine to want to play golf this coming week, guys. I'll use golf as an illustration of terrible at it. It's not a temptation to be an idol in my life, but I can use it. It's fine to want to play golf this coming week. It's, it's fine to try to schedule that, go ahead and schedule that, that in. But it's not okay to say that I have to play golf at all costs. Despite my family that needs me or my work that needs me or whatever, it's, it's not okay to say I have to do that at all costs. It's fine to desire physical affection from your spouse. It's great to even communicate that need to your spouse. It's not okay to treat them like dirt when they're not giving that to you. It's okay, mom, to need a break from the kids. It's okay for you to tell your husband you need a break from the kids. It's not okay to say if I don't get a break from, those, from these kids, I can't live. When God is the center of your affection, you will come to realize that we truly have all we need. Everything else is the icing and the cake and the gravy. Look at how idols control your heart. How idols control your heart. Here's what James 1.13 says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, when he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. The desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Remember that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we started the series, that the language of the New Testament, when it comes to idolatry, is more about desires than about the actual word of idolatry. Let me prove it to you. Um, if you remember, we looked at uh, Colossians 3 5, it talks about putting to death certain things. It says, putting to death evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. Right? So the New Testament defines. A strong evil desire for something or a covetous of, of wanting something that someone else has and you have to be given, that it defines it as idolatry. So, so we can uh, 
we can even rephrase this, this uh, James verse in this way. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own idol. Then the idol, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. First thing I want to notice is that idols of the heart drive us towards sin. Going back to Ezekiel 14.3, it says, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. In other words, these idols in their hearts, they're headed towards trouble. They're headed towards iniquity. That their life is going to bear out the consequences of having an idol at the center of their heart. When an idol sets at the center of our hearts, it, it is it has the driver's wheel. And it will always drive us towards sin. What was Rachel's response when she didn't see God giving her what she wanted? After her, uh, after her outburst saying, I've got to have children or I'm going to die, we have this very bizarre baby competition going on. She said, I'm going to get my handmaid, my servant, and I'm giving her to my husband, and she's going to bear children for me. And then Leah, she, she kind of goes through a dry spell there bearing children, so she said, well, man, Rachel's going to catch up, so I'm going to get my servant. And so you have this very bizarre, and we all look back and go, what in the world were these people thinking? This bizarre baby competition all being driven because Rachel said, I've got to have this. And it doesn't matter about honoring God. It doesn't matter about purity. I'm going to do what has to be done to get my husband some children. Even if it means disobeying God. It didn't matter what was right or what honored God. It mattered about getting what was at the seat of her affections. It was about the idol steering her heart. Idols of the heart also lead us to destructive ends. How did Rachel die? Rachel dies in childbirth. I don't think we can necessarily say that her death was God's punishment for wanting kids so bad. I, I don't I don't think we can necessarily go there, but we cannot deny the irony, right? The irony that this thing that she said, I've got to have kids or I'm going to die, is the very thing that ended up killing her. Her second child ended up killing her. Idols of the heart bring destruction. As God said uh, to Ezekiel, they're stumbling block that you're going to crush your life on. The sad thing is that often the good things, especially with the good things that we make an idol, they are destroyed under the pressure of being idols that they're never meant to be. How often do parents make their children their number one priority? They give them everything they could want and, and, and everything 
they, they never withhold, they just want their kids to be happy, and they, they don't necessarily care about holiness, they just want happiness for their kids. In the process, they create terrible people. Because their children are I don't, I don't care about what God wants for them, I don't care, I just want them to be happy. And so you end up destroying your kids because you idolize. Perhaps when our kids place uh, coming to a marriage and suddenly the marriage takes a back seat to the kids and and the, the husband and wife no longer date each other or, 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 or the romance each other because it's all about the kids and they elevate the kids above the marriage and the marriage disintegrates and suddenly these kids are having to live in this broken home. Because the kids were lifted up above the marriage, and the marriage is here. Or maybe you make your spouse your everything. Instead of relying on God as your primary satisfaction, as your primary source of strength and identity, you try to put in all, all your satisfaction into your spouse, and then you're somehow surprised. When they crush under that weight, you suddenly realize I hate them. It was because you put too much on them. You felt like your life was all about having a perfect marriage, married to a perfect person, and you realize they're not perfect. And you crush them because of the expectations you placed with this God. Dangerous, hard to see, but it happens all the time. And when God is first, we will find the things that, that we desire to be glorious, the icing on the cake. Those desires will tend to serve our joy. When, when God is at the center of our lives and all these good things are orbit around God and and they find their meaning in God, they're just more glorious that way. When we take those things and put those things to center, everything is out of order. Everything is destroyed. Finally, let's talk about how idols are revealed in your heart. First, you need to realize the deceitfulness of the heart. Following your heart is a terrible idea if God is not at the center of that heart. It's a terrible idea. Scriptures are very clear that the heart is wicked. Who can know it? Our hearts are often attracted to idols. Our hearts tend to believe lies of idols. Rachel's heart told her that all she needed was to bear her husband a child. And then she would be satisfied. And it's interesting, and we see here in Genesis 30, verses 22 through 24, we see, we see that God gives Rachel what she wanted. And I don't think it was because she threw a fit. I think it was just God's timing. Look what happened. It says, then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her. 
opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. She named her firstborn, may God give me another. The same, she said, if I did that, it will satisfy me. And she did that, and she said, got to have another one. Because my heart is still not full. This is the son she's dreamed of, and all she can think about is getting another baby to try to win that baby to make that believe. And that's the human heart. The human heart tells us, man, all you need is that thing, and then you'll be satisfied. And when you get that thing, you realize it doesn't satisfy. It's not God's. It doesn't fit on that throne. Next, we need uh, to realize that our heart can deceive us. We need, we need to realize that we need to turn to the Spirit and the Word to shed light on your eyes. Psalm 139, 23, 24 say this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Then in Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of, of, of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what do we do? What do we do to confront idols? It starts off, we have to say, God, I need your spirit to do some searching in me, and I need that spirit to let me know what are my eyes. We go to the Word and we read about our identity and what our identity should be and think about what idols are getting in the way of what the Word of God is telling us to do. And, and I believe that it's a, it's, a, it's a prayer that God will answer. The desire, probably more than any prayer we pray to answer is, God, I want to know you more, and to do that, I need you to go to work on my heart. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to take a flashlight to every dark corner of my evil heart and see where my idols are. To see what threatens to be at the center of my heart, to control my life, and to take my life in the direction of heart for you. And listen, you don't have to be scared of what's going to be found there. Whatever is found there, if you are a Christian, has already been taken care of by the cross of Christ. And he died so you could be forgiven of the idols in your heart. And he died so you would ultimately be able to be set free from the idols in heart. And to be able to serve him, the one who truly, truly So, again, as I said last time, I'm 
just about trying harder. It's not just about kicking all the idols out and trying to be less of an idolatry. It's about resting in what Christ has done on the cross to set you free. You do not have to be a slave to everything else. You can be a bond servant of Jesus Christ and find satisfaction in it. Um, if you uh, noticed in your bulletin, there's a pamphlet in there uh, called Identifying Personal Idols. Man, this is, this is deep work. If you're going to begin to look at your idols, this is deep work that can't be done here in the closing of the sermon or in a few stands of the song here in a few minutes. It's deep work. So I wanted to provide for you an opportunity uh, to take this this week and, uh, and study it. And it's got questions and, and ways to kind of examine your heart to, to see what is there that's threatening or is estranging you possibly from God. There's a place uh, there on the back where you can list at least uh, your top five uh, things in your life that are uh, estranging you from God because it's an idol in your heart. So I would encourage you, if uh, there's not one in your bulletin, I saw several in the hallway that have fallen out, so go looking. Uh, if you don't see one in your bulletin, they're here. I would encourage you to take this and work through it and, and to slowly work through it and really try to get to the bottom of what's in your heart. And when you find it there, take it to the cross. Begin by the power of the Spirit to remove those idols. If it's sinful, kick it out altogether. Kick it out of your life. Do whatever you have to do in your life to Get away from that sinful idol. If it's a good thing, like it's your kids, <laughs> you can't get, hey, ten-year-old, I've made you an idol. Why don't you get your bags and uh, get out of the house? You can't do that. But you have to re reorganize the things in your life and think about how can I get this good thing that God gives me? It's my responsibility. This become more important than God, how can I rearrange things to make sure that God is at the center and not this good thing? I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I'm going to ask you to respond uh, however God has put on your heart to respond. Maybe right now you don't need a pamphlet to at least know the top God's spoken to you. And this is business with God uh, during this time. Talk to him about that idol. Repent of that idol. And go to the cross. And go to the gospel. Trust in him to take care of that issue. I'm going to ask you to please stand uh, as we see.
how one of these is a holy God. Come in and lay hold, God. You are the only thing that can lay hold of our heart and support the great weight of our expectations, God, of our needs, of our satisfaction, God. You, you alone can bear that weight. 